I'm grateful today that you chose to walk through the doors of St. John's Episcopal Church. I'm grateful today that you are here. Whether it's your first time to set foot in this church or whether it's your thousandth time to be here, you are here participating in the living tradition of Anglicanism. Thanks to decisions made by the English Parliament in the mid-1600s, one of the strengths of the Anglican Church is our focus on practices. Our core identity is common worship. So those little red prayer books that you find in your pews, that's uh, the Book of Common Prayer. That's what we mean by common worship. So our focus is not on right belief, but on practices of faith as they form people's relationship with God. And that, that practice, that focus, has led many Anglican theologians over the past 500 years to write about the virtues. This, this tradition is known as the exemplary tradition. We have a rich tradition of focusing on the virtues, that is, exploring how knowledge and practice combine to form a living faith. So let's take some time to talk about the virtues. What, after all, is a virtue? Peter Paris writes that virtue is knowledge of the moral good that humans can do in order to become morally good. St. Augustine wrote that virtue is nothing else than perfect love of God. Perhaps you have your own definition of virtue, but perhaps you don't because we don't really spend a lot of time talking about virtues or vices or really about morality at all um, in our day-to-day -day lives. Our education system is focused on many important things, but learning how to know the good and do the good has been assigned to obscure realms of philosophy, uh, to parents in home life to as they raise their children, and sometimes to the church. And I admit on this count that the church has not done a great job with helping people become more virtuous. I think, unfortunately, that we have developed the reputation of policing morality rather than opening up conversations so that people can make their own decisions about what is good and how they can live that good in their own lives. We as a secularized society and as a church have left one of the most fundamental pieces of what it means to be human to people to just figure it out themselves. So is it really any wonder that we are unimpressed and even appalled time and time again at the morality or the lack of morality of our public figures? Today we find a wonderful example of a virtuous person in our gospel reading. Of course, Jesus, who is the ultimate example of a, of a virtuous person, but also someone else. I'm talking about the man, the Samaritan leper, who upon realizing that he was healed from his leprosy, turned around, praising God, and came and knelt at Jesus' feet, thanking him. This Samaritan could not offer a better example of the virtue 
of gratitude. First, a little background about this person, about the Samaritan. It's important to note that he was a double outcast. Being a leper was only the first count against him. People with leprosy, which is an umbrella term used in the Hebrew Bible to describe a host of skin conditions and diseases, they were not allowed to participate in society. Their healing was a matter of ritual concern. They could only come out of quarantine by presenting themselves to the priest who could declare them clean. And of course, the second count against this man was that he was a Samaritan. As we all know, probably from the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jews and Samaritans in that time did not get along. Jews despised the Samaritans as culturally inferior, as theological and liturgical heretics. So this double outcast, this leper and Samaritan, ends up in the gospel story receiving a double blessing. He is saved first from his leprosy, but he also appears to receive a different kind of blessing from Jesus, who after receiving the man's gratitude tells the man to get up and go. Your faith has made you well. So Jesus seems to imply that there are different kinds of wellness and different kinds of healing. There is the physical kind of healing, the healing that all ten of the lepers receive as they go and present themselves to the priest, which is just what Jesus instructed them to do. But Jesus makes clear today that although our bodies might be healed, there's no guarantee about the health of our souls. Who knows what happened to the other nine who didn't turn back to Jesus, who were healed physically, but who continued on their way to be pronounced clean by the priests, in other words, to be allowed back into society. I wonder what life was like for them after that moment. Was it hard for them to reintegrate into the community after being outside of the community for so long? Were they happy? Were they resentful, reliving their many years as outcasts rather than opening themselves up to the fullness of their new lives. We just can't know what happened to these nine men. But I have a pretty good guess about what happened to the one who did turn around and thank Jesus. In the field of positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently linked to greater happiness. Studies have shown that people who keep gratitude journals have reduced levels of stress and depression, they exercise more regularly, they're more optimistic, and they feel better about their lives as a whole. Brain scans suggest that writing thank you notes actually rewires our brains in a different way so that we are more likely to express gratitude in the future, not just in the present. Acting grateful makes us feel more grateful and more likely to be grateful in the future. So my guess, given these studies, is that the Samaritan who acted grateful went on to live a healthy, fulfilling life. Jesus tells him, your faith has made you well. And it turns out that that was literally true for the Samaritan because in this story, 
faith is the same as gratitude. Practicing gratitude and practicing faith are linked. They can't be divided. As the Samaritan showed his sincere gratitude, his spirit was made well. Just as science has confirmed that practicing gratitude really does make us feel better. So our world is sincerely lacking in virtues. We only have to turn on the news to see that. We aren't very good at knowing the good and doing the good. But the wonderful thing about the virtues is that they are not inherent to a person. We can cultivate them. You can begin the practice of gratitude today, even this morning. In just a few moments, we will celebrate the Eucharist, which literally means to give thanks. We'll celebrate the Eucharist and we'll give thanks for God's presence in something as simple as bread and wine. Perhaps as we pray our prayer of thanksgiving, you can take the opportunity to thank God for the goodness in your own life. It doesn't have to be something as grand as a miraculous healing like the Samaritan leper. Perhaps if you slow down a little bit, you might begin to recognize the goodness that is already present in your own life. Isn't it easy to take our everyday life for granted for the roof over our head, for a full stomach, the unconditional love or of a partner, of a friend, of a pet? There are so many ways to express gratitude. Thank you notes, gratitude journals, meditation, prayer. Choose one of these, choose any of these, choose all of them. Because as you perfect the virtue of gratitude, I have no doubt that you will find Jesus saying to you too, get up and go for your faith has made you well. Amen.